Good morning. This is Coffee with the Sarlils. I'm Karen. Good morning. I'm Kelly. And today I've picked a topic. Okay. Uh, I know I always default to you, um, but I've had a recent experience with a client last week and uh, I'm, I'm excited. Not to say that other clients aren't exciting, but I think this is just something that's a little less specific and um, probably very relatable. Uh, so it was a young gentleman, which I don't see a lot of, I know that your practice has changed over the years and you've seen many more men, uh, and I'm, I'm still waiting for that shift. And I don't know if it's because of an age thing where they're maybe more comfortable with someone who's older. Um, but I had a young gentleman come in and he sat down and he was referred by his brother who had also seen me which I thought was really wonderful because they're, they're two young men and under 30 who uh, are open to this. That's, that's exciting in and of itself. And he sat down and just said, I'm open to anything. I have an intention, but I was told to let you do your thing, which I just think is the most flattering thing, especially when they're referred, right? Because that means someone else has said, let them do their thing. So thank you um, to, to the brother. So he said, I have an intention, and if you don't touch on it in the first half hour, then I, I will ask my question. And I'm thinking, ooh, the brother coached him well. This is good. Because uh, that's everything I would have said and, and did say in the consent process. So I said, well, I'm doing medical intuitive first, and I'm coming into your brain. And um, he, you could see the tears just starting to well up. And he said, that's why I'm here. I want to know if I'm sick. So I did a body scan, and I thought well, this is interesting because I'm, and I, I don't know that I've ever really experienced this before. I went to do the body scan for medical intuitive. So looking at all the different systems in the body and how they function. And it's like, I got an X over the x-rays. Like, don't look at this. Mm. This isn't the part you're supposed to be looking at, which is very right. cool. Cause so you, right. We're always developing a reference system for how to see things. Go ahead. So, well, I already know how you do it, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I want to ask you questions and pause Good. for people who are listening. Thank you. Thinking, what the hell is a medical intuitive and why did she get an X over X-rays? So, Kelly, why did you get an X over X-rays? Meaning? Fair enough. So, as a medical intuitive, you see inside the body just like a CAT scan or an X-ray without a machine. So, we're just sitting in a room with two chairs and, and I close my eyes. Don't have to, but I like to. Um, and I can look at the skeletal system, the muscular system, the cellular uh, structure of the body, every different system uh, to see where it's functioning and where it's not functioning. So the X over the x-rays means? You don't need the x-ray. There you go. Yes. Meaning there's no problem with? The body. There, the the wo- neck down. Okay. Okay. Because that's where I was looking. Because, Yeah, because the CT scan would have been up in the brain. Okay. Good. Yes. I just want people listening to get an Thank idea you. of how you're seeing the x-ray, that it's uh, it, it's decapitated. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Good. Yeah, for sure. So, but you're getting an x over the rest of the body, yeah. which is an indication to you. No, don't worry to look here. N- don't worry about the neck down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I said, oh, well, you're taking me straight into your brain then. And he, w- you know, you could see a little bit of relief that we could eliminate more than three quarters of the body. Uh, so I went into the brain and I just said to him, you know, when you ask a question that you as a person can't confirm technically, I said, I need to ask for other information to make sure I'm accurate. And he said, that's perfect. I appreciate it. So I asked him a few things just to confirm about his personality. Uh, and he, had, he said yes to everything, which is great. Um, 
And I said, well, I'm being told that you're asking if you're sick because of your emotions. I said, you have repetitive thoughts of killing yourself. And just, I don't know how to explain this very well, but just so briefly, I could see his eyes bug out of his head and then him correct himself. Because, you know, that's a terrifying thing to have some, not, not just to admit it to someone, but to have someone know it before you can say it. And I get that. So I saw him kind of self-correct his face and just sort of sit back in his own discomfort. And I said, I want to be clear though, you have the thought, but no intention to carry it out, but you have thought about how you might. So there's a lot of different ways that you have to break down that thought process because some people can take that as an accusation that they are thinking of actually killing themselves. So I said to him, you've never had an intention to carry it out, but the repetitive thought is there and you look at different objects around you or vehicles and think how you could do it effectively. And he said, yes, that's true. And I've never said that to anyone before. Hmm. And so I said, I need to push pause for a moment and we're going to come back to this whole concept. I said, but you're showing me yourself as a little kid uh, in the home. And I said, may I ask questions about your family? And he gave me permission. And I said, your dad is showing me that he is stone faced that he is detached emotionally, cannot communicate about emotions or express them, you know, physically. And he said, that was correct. And I said, you have a brother and he's the same as your dad in that respect. And he said, yes, that's correct. I said, your mom's also stone-faced to a certain degree, but in any moment that she thinks crying, so an expression of an emotion or a showing of it, um, whenever she thinks that she can gain control and get what she wants from crying, she will cry on the drop of a hat and she can stop at the drop of a hat because they're not real tears. And he goes, holy crap. Yeah, that's true. So I said to him, your entire family that you've grown up with doesn't know how to express or process emotions properly. And I said, and you walk into a room and know exactly what's wrong with each of them without them talking about it. And he said, yes. And I said, you're processing emotions for all three of your family members who won't process it for themselves. Oh, my God. So he's feeling three times what he feels about himself for people who are stunted, which also means that he has no one to communicate this with. So he doesn't have a language for it. So he has no idea how to identify which emotion is his and which emotion is someone else's because he's just feeling all of them. And none of the three are intelligent enough or emotionally intelligent enough to be able to validate and it's not safe to ask, right? And I, I excitedly, and I, I did explain this to him, I said, I'm really excited to tell you that you're not sick mm-hmm. because this is this can be a huge relief to you, but it's also probably going to bring you a significant amount of more pain because when you know that you're doing this for three other people who won't do their own work, it can drive you right into your anger Mm -hmm. that you have had to feel that much more when someone else is just that lazy or that out of check, you know, with the, with their own selves. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, and that is where I want to come back to that concept of wanting to take your own life because you're overwhelmed with so much emotion and have no idea what's yours and what's another person's because some of the emotions don't make sense to your own life Mm -hmm. or your own experiences. And no one's there to sort through them and you don't have the tools to do it yourself. So he's also picking up, and just to say it again, just to make it clear, that it could be his own mother or father and brother who actually want to kill themselves. Yes. And that in, in their shutting down process, 
they have the desire not to stay on earth, but he's empathically picking it up yes, and mixing it up, believing that he's the one with the thought. Mm-hmm. But now that he's living in this environment, it gets very messy because he will feel his own level of frustration and hopelessness, perhaps, mm-hmm. that some of it may cross and actually be a little bit of his own. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And he's of an age where like he's in his mid twenties, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, his early twenties. Um, and feeling like a, like a compound emotion here where if he hasn't ever felt like he can connect to another human, i.e. his family, cause you're, they're your first source of a relationship or an idea of what it, it is. Um, how will he ever have a partner? And he is so codependent because he feels everything for everyone else and has to sort through everything for everyone else. Um, that he, you know, he wants a partner he can share a life with, but is, is so terrified of it because it's just one more person to feel for. Oh, especially if he, if he's not okay or emotionally intelligent and healed enough to pick a healthy one. Mm-hmm. So therapy is going to be part of his path yes i I would say a piece hopefully yeah because that's that's a choice that he gets to make and i think i think at an early age like that if you're sitting in front of um a very (laughs) (laughs) non-traditional practitioner um you're probably going to be open to to some form of therapy Uh, but he's also very terrified to talk to anyone because he's he's so afraid of being medicated mm-hmm. and what happened was in the very beginning when I was affirming his personality he's very analytical mm-hmm. um, he needs things step by step he needs to know the hows and whys of everything but mm-hmm. he's also insanely innovative so he will look at a problem <laughs> I like how you put insane and innovative together well yeah you have to be a little bit insane <laughs> right you have to think of the impossible to to invent something right um so he'll look at an issue in front of him or, or a problem or a puzzle or however you want to word that and what what i was able to do by hearing his thoughts is that this tiny little voice comes in for about less than a second that says you're stupid mm. and then he pushes it aside so quickly and just like that he's got three three solutions in his head and he's just got to pick one and it was addressing the fact that he has constantly tried to ignore the voice that says you're stupid in order to keep going because he's his only source of survival at this point, right? Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a support system. He doesn't feel he has one for obvious reasons. Um, I, I, I just find him fascinating. It was so lovely to be in his brain with that much permission. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what his guides were doing or what his own soul was doing in the session was trying to point out his strengths and, and they all revolved around the analytical brain, but how he fused it with creativity because he just sees himself as analytical and scientific and he wants the one, the, you know, the one, two, three step. And he's so very certain to not skip a step. He checks his work two and three times. So there's a little bit of, um, OCD in there, which I think is really cool. And, and that's come up in different ways in our life. And by our, I mean, you and I, um, where we know all the best people are. We all have the tendencies to to experience uh, obsessive thoughts, but that's what creative people do, right? They obsess over their passions, and this this came through about him, is that that's how he comes up with so many solutions to a problem. So anyway, I just thought it was really cool because he was he was giving too much weight to the you know half a second thought of you're stupid, mm. and missing out on recognizing his own strength, 
that the obsessive thought in a, in um, subjects that he's passionate about are what allow him to become a, a problem solver. And it was just really wonderful because he had felt so beaten down and he kept telling himself he was so sick, right? And so to have his own soul point out his actual strengths uh, was just, you could just see the relief come off the shoulders. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah. So Kelly, at some point, can he change your stupid to something more desirable? Yeah. And as the, Sorry. Um, as a way to change the loop. Like we still want the same result of him being creative and seeing choices. Um, but can, the, can they, the impetus mm-hmm. um, that starts that, that loop spinning by the statement of you're stupid be triggered that as soon as he hears that, can he implement a different one instead until he says it enough so that you're creative, you're bright, you're, can he put something else in differently so that the loop goes, but there's a different energetic feel to it. Yeah. And you and I have talked about that and you've done a wonderful job of bringing up this book in uh, like Fireside Fridays, um, how we do our social media stuff and to, to show people what we're reading and what they can learn from resources. And the book on the power of habit is the exact resource that I would send people to. And I know you do. Uh, to change that loop because it really is. So what happens is, is he sees a problem, whether it's a physical or, or, you know, um, a mental one. And as he sees the problem, that's the, that's the trigger, right? That's the, the moment that the loop begins because you're triggered into it. And then the behavior is the thought of you're stupid. So what needs to happen now is he has to be able to identify a little bit quicker when he sees a problem and insert that new behavior. That's what you're talking about. Yes. Well, not behavior, but the thought first, but that's, but the thought is a behavior because you can dish, you can condition your own thoughts. Yes. So if he can see the trigger when it happens, where he, he looks at something and goes, this is a problem. Then he has to work hard for it to be a habit to have a different thought and then get the same solution right? A lot of people want different solutions, but he actually already has a productive one. We just need to change mm. the, the the behavior that's in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think of Barney Stinson on How I Met Your Mother, mm-hmm. where every time he saw a problem, he would say, challenge accepted. Mm. And that's the type of thinking okay. that we want to uh, implement as a new behavior when a trigger happens so that the energy of how he solves things shifts. Right. No no matter what is going on within the family. Right. Okay. I love that. Because right in that moment, he can uh, can harness or identify or remember that this is his strong suit. This is his wheelhouse, is solving problems. Mm -hmm. Right? And then it can just become fun instead of uh, stressful. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess in some ways then he learns how to manage his own existence. Yeah. And he learns how... In the, in the thick of where it can be the very worst, perhaps, like right in your own home with your parents and your sibling, um, so that he gets those tools so that he can go out. And if it's coworkers and a boss, he still knows how to manage it. For sure. And I, I like the way that you worded how to manage his own life. Mm-hmm. I also want to add that it, it allows him to learn how to value his own life. Mm-hmm. Because if he knows that problem solving is a strength, how many humans can say that? Um, if he knows that that's, that's one of his purposes mm-hmm. is to be a great 
problem solver by by having three different solutions, great solutions to choose from when one of us or most of us only think we ever have one. Um, that's that's incredible. And how how good of a teacher he could be someday, too. Mm. Uh, and I just I had so much fun with him and you could just see him light up. It, w- it was just really wonderful. And I think um, that th- these processes of thoughts are very general for a lot of people. Um, especially wanting to die or thinking that we want to die or take mm-hmm. our own life because yeah. we're tired. We're tired of everything that we feel here. And and outside of his family, we also had a, a brief conversation that how could that possibly be crazy if you looked around the world that we live in at this point? You know, fucking Trump and Hillary are in, a, in an election together. No one wants to live on this planet right now. And, there, you know, we, we think about all the things that are happening in third world countries. And this is a terrifying place to be. Yes, it's okay to want out. And we talked about that in the last podcast when we, we mentioned every time we see roadkill, we look at it and go, you lucky little bastard. You got the freedom that a lot of us want. And I think it's important that people um, can hear from others that they think about ending their life, maybe not with the intention of carrying it out. Mm-hmm. And they can take comfort in that knowing that they're not crazy, that this isn't a bigger problem than just desiring freedom. Okay. I, I also would like to, to point out how wonderful it is um, for him to be able to sit down with somebody who is um, not looking to medicate him. Oh, God, yes. Who is not looking to problem solve for him, but can just sit in his presence and understand him. And what, what, that, what that can do when you offer that, Kelly where you can just be there to sit and listen. He doesn't, you're listening to his spirit. So he doesn't have to tell you the story. He doesn't have to share all the examples of what his brother did or his dad or his mother or didn't do. It's not, um, it's not that long of a process. Right. So it's not something where it's going to take 10 to 15 sessions before he's more comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not where it's, um, um, he has to be able to explain it or he has to be remembered to remember or recall it properly. Um, it's not where somebody's sitting down and disbelieving him or asking him to prove it mm-hmm. or asking him to repeat it over and over again in case he slips up. Yeah. And and I think about that there are different professions, there are different people with different qualities that when we are listeners, we treat people that way. Mm-hmm. We might sit and listen to a girlfriend as she's complaining for the 15th time about a fight with her boyfriend or something, and we've already got it in our head, her story. Mm-hmm. We've already got it in her, her head. So we're really not listening, um, and, our, and our responses can, can make that person feel unheard. And how when you, he came into the room, sat down and said to you, I was told not to speak, I was told just to let you do your thing, that what your gift gives you and all of your gifts give you are the messages from whatever you want to call it in the spirit world or soul world or universe that allows you to be, not Cal, how quickly did all of that information get downloaded into your brain in order for you to process all of that, amass all of that data and be able to regurgitate it back to him in words and emotions he could understand and agree to. That was like a lot of questions all at once. Downloaded probably in about 30 seconds for me to actually say it out loud, probably about five minutes, but that's also um, with me pausing in between to ask him if it's accurate. 
and it, for him to sit there and actually think uh, because a lot of people are unaware of, of a lot of these things. And I'm pointing that out because this is why we call it a gift. Oh, yeah. This is why we don't say this is something that you took in high school or university. <laughs> I went to a high school that was Catholic. Okay. <laughs> you can't put your hand up to the guidance counselor and say, I want to talk to dead people. <laughs> right. And But that's why it's a gift. That, that and I and I ask you those questions that way because it is something that is that unique, yeah. And that some people may think that they have those gifts and they get it all wrong and all mixed up and they make a mess of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I'm just sharing and pointing out with people that are listening that while we both have these gifts, we still use processes. We still use check-ins. You're talking about you're checking in with him to make sure that there's validation. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's the integrity of the process. That's, yes. (laughs) You you said your story and there were so many aspects of it that as someone who lives with the same gifts as you and understands how they work, I'm, I'm trying somehow to make sure that I'm asking you questions or bringing it up in the right way for people to understand why we call them gifts. I love that. Thank you. That's really wonderful. I wanted to go back and touch on something that you brought up, you know, a couple of minutes ago. Um, these gifts allow a person to be seen and heard, even when they don't have to talk, right? So you were talking about me being able to say all these things because I'm, I'm downloading them as a gift. Uh, and in a, him growing up in a family who won't acknowledge their own feelings, which means that they can't validate his own. Um, you don't feel seen and you don't feel heard. And those are two, two things that create a lack of safety and a lack of love, which attacks our pelvic area. And so that was actually something that came up later in like j- later seven minutes um, after all of this came out that he has lower back pain that radiates down his legs and that what's happening and I'm going to go up and down the body. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause this is, this wasn't x-ray cause I know I got the x earlier, but because of all the information that came out about the family, I was able to say, now let's go into the pelvic area mm-hmm. and talk about the lack of validation that you've had, mm-hmm. how it's created a lack of safety and a lack of love or lack of feeling of those things. And I said, you clench the pelvis and you clench your jaw. Those two mm-hmm. go hand in hand, which we know. Um, and I said, you've got lower back pain because of the clenching in the pelvis And I said, however, you've got two problems here because you don't walk properly and you don't stand properly. So your feet are creating pain in your pelvis and your lower back. And then the clenching from the pelvis is now creating problems in your feet Mm -hmm. because you're trying to compensate. So it's this loop that's Mm -hmm. happening from feet to pelvis. You just said the loop again. Yes. Which is what I love that doesn't come into Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, which is totally fine. He doesn't do what we do. I love how he talks about the loop, but I'd like to take that analogy and bring it into today's session in how we are able to continue with more loops. Yeah. Is that good? Yes. And I have something wonderful to tell you when you give me a minute. Do you want that minute now? Sure. Okay. <laughs> I want to say to you that, and to the listeners, that at the beginning, right before we started taping the show today, I went to turn around to my book and felt like we have a, I have a file folder and I'm typically the one that goes through and tries to think of shows and yeah. different topics and Kelly never knows. That's why I was so excited. And I turned my back. She turned her back. So our backs are facing each other in our office. We're facing our computers. And I said, Kelly, what would you like to tape for today's show? Do you know? And she said, yes, I do. 
And I said, okay, this so... Was out, this was out loud. This, yeah, out loud. So I put my book down, but I would like now to turn around because I know you do not know this. Right. I want to t- read to you what I had written down for today's show. Okay. Okay, so here's my piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And this is what I wrote down. This is what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to do Sips of Sanity, five shows. And we were trying to figure out if we were going to take coffee with the sorrows or Sips of Sanity. And we decided coffee with the sorrows. But this was going to be Sips of Sanity for November. Okay. I wanted to do the five shows on I See You. Oh. I Hear You. Okay. I love it. (laughs) I Feel You. I Know You. Oh. I wanted to do five shows. Thank you. On how our treatments, on how our gifts, on how who we are and how we live our lives as Karen and Kelly affect people in how we choose to be truly authentic, hmm. but what it does for the client. Okay. So well, when we are able to truly see a client and then give an example of a client being truly seen, what it does for them. Mm-hmm. When a, tra- a client is truly being heard, give an example and see how that really affects them. And you went right ahead and did it. Well, the fun thing, well, sorry, this was all fun. What's even better is that, I, well, let's go ahead and just say that today is October 20th for mm-hmm. us well, mm-hmm. while we're recording. This show is airing the very last Saturday of October. Um, and so we will. We will start uh, November Sips of Sanity with exactly what you've proposed. So this will be a great lead in. Oh, good. So Sips of Sanity, for anybody that doesn't listen to that show, is a separate show from Coffee with the Sarlos, both found on our website by sarlo.com. But you have to go to the little down arrow. What do you call that, Kelly? A drop down. A drop down. Uh, beside Coffee with the Sarlos in order to find Sips of Sanity on the bysarlo.com website. Yeah. And I know many people don't know about the second series. Yes. And that we're just, we've just been introducing it, what, for, our, this will be Since our fifth, July. fifth month. Yeah. Um, and those are just five, ten minute shows at the beginning of each month. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Good. That was fun. Yeah. I, and, and Kel, you know sorry. I just wanted to say that I love you more. Oh, thank you. I accept. Yeah, like these things. This is love. This is where I've written it down and out it comes. And people might say, well, they're two freaking psychics. Shouldn't it work that way? And I want to say, yes, it does. And five up for Karen and Kelly that we actually live that way. Yeah. And and I think there are other there are other people that are moms and daughters, sons and, you know, Sisters, brothers, sisters, whatever, all kinds of different relationships, girlfriends, guy friends, where they do get the five up, where um, they do live in sync. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I hope our show is fun for them. Um, and, and if they're not, and if they don't have anybody in their life, that you can be. Mm-hmm. And that hopefully what our shows do on Coffee with the Sarlos and Sips of Sanities get you there. Or at least entertain you and encourage you <laughs> and support you. And make you laugh and giggle and cry and everything else in between till you get there. Mm-hmm. So I love you. I love you too. Can mm-hmm. I finish? Yeah. Okay. Um, so this loop that was happening from his hips to his feet and oh, feet yeah. to hips. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
he just, his jaw dropped. And I said, don't say anything. Just let me finish. Cause sometimes it just, I'm so excited to get it mm-hmm. out before the human can explain it so that they can have their holy shit. This is amazing moment. Um, I said, you're, you're not walking properly and you're not standing properly. I said, you know, you, you end up standing with your toes facing out um, and you're walking that way and it's not the proper way to walk or stand. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he just looked so tearful. And I said, stand up. I'm going to teach you how to stand properly. And thank God for Amanda Cooley because she has mm-hmm. taught us both this. Oh, yeah. Because it alleviates the lower back pain mm-hmm. and it alleviates the pain that radiates down the hamstrings mm-hmm. uh, and can sometimes cramp the feet, right? And cause locking in the hips and so on and so forth. So I taught him how. And he looked up at me. And he said, Kelly, this is how I used to stand. This is how I used to walk. And someone looked down and told me that I was pigeon-toed. Oh. And that I needed to correct myself. And I felt so much rage. Yeah. Because, you know, yes, there are some people who walk pigeon-toed and it's too far in. But he had actually had it perfect. Oh, my God. He actually naturally knew how to walk and stand. And someone critiqued it and made him point outward and created years of lower back pain okay i really hope people stayed tuned to hear that past the whole i love you karen and kelly story (laughs) because um of the importance of hearing that we can innately know what we're doing and what's best for our body Mm -hmm. and sometimes the person that corrects you can be um a friend or someone that doesn't know better and sometimes it's a professional yeah that also corrects you and gives you wrong information assume that they know better that's right and you still have to pay attention to what you know yeah and i think it was such a wonderful message that came at the end of his session uh after he had heard that he was not crazy after he heard that he knew he was feeling so deeply and how beautiful that really is, even though it's hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was still awake while the re- so many people in this world are asleep mm-hmm. or numb. Um, I think he just got really, he, I got to build him up. Yeah. His soul and his guides, they got to come in and use me to build him up. Mm-hmm. And that felt great. And then to be able to say to him all along, you were right. Yeah. Is just a totally other level or total other level um a validation yes yeah and and going to show how very much we need to pick people to be in our lives that do that for us Mm -hmm. as opposed to the people that enjoy putting us down or creating criticisms in us um, and getting us trained to believe that that is called love Mm -hmm. and that that is not so for you to be able to demonstrate to him what real love is that's awesome that's my job. Yes, I know. How cool Lovely, is that? eh? And you know what, Kelly? Totally off topic, but I've got somebody's cravings. Oh. And I know Andrew's on his way over shortly. So oh, go tell me. I've got cravings. It's like for or- what? I think it's like orange crush or something. Oh, I don't okay. understand. Like you, you, you were telling your story, and all of a sudden, I've got all these cravings, and I'm thinking, I don't think any of those are mine. They're not mine, and normally I know they are. Yeah, but uh, this will be fun. Maybe yeah. so. We'll, are we going to end the podcast here? <laughs> Because I'm going to say that if you're the one with the orange crush craving while you're listening to this show, please email us. <laughs> and even if you're not, um, we always encourage questions and comments because uh, we, we love developing shows about things that you want to hear about. Fanta. Um, so you can email us at info at bysarlo.com. And if you know, you're not having a coffee this morning, you're sharing an orange crush with us, then that was fun. Okay, bye.